I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Matter-based approaches to improve health, like food and supplementation, are like the slowest ways. And light energy and frequency, which is what we work with at Raw, Raw Optics, is actually a much faster way, which is why we see results, because you're immediately changing the information going into the field. For sure, we are electromagnetic in nature, in contrast to the mainstream medical belief that we are chemistry-based biochemical beings. I cannot wait to share this. I'm so excited to be releasing this two-part episode with Matt Maruka from Raw Optics. Matt has an incredible story where through high school, he figured out that the major cause of his health issues was his management or mismanagement of light. It wasn't his diet. It wasn't his lifestyle. It was light. And we talk about the light within, the light that we actually can create inside of our bodies, how we express that, and how we manage light from the outside in. This first episode is more focused on lifestyle and uh, sort of a metaphysical approach to how we think about light, what light does for our bodies, how we can express our inner light, and how we manage our energy. And the second part, uh, in a full second episode, is more focused on the technology of light management, how you can block blue light in the evening time to optimize your sleep. Now, this is not going to be a surprise to you. You're going to be used to this, this idea that light is important for your optimal performance and uh, you're just gonna love this conversation matt and i uh, really had a cool cool talk about how important it is for us to be thinking about our own energy from the inside out i love this episode i can't wait to share it with you you can go to raw optics that's raoptics.com forward slash opp for a discount on some of the highest quality blue light blocking glasses on the planet i mean these are insane and they look great um they made a huge difference on my sleep. I'm just going to dive right into it, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Matt Maruka. When you don't pretend to have all the answers and you just ask more questions than espouse wisdom and stay curious and stay learning, and th- there's a distinction there between you know, people in the natural health space who pretend to have all the answers and have it all figured out versus the people who are constantly exploring. I mean, not only geographically for you exploring, but exploring new modalities and new tools, you know, ancient wisdom about light exposure and, um, you know, connecting with the sun and, and understanding how to manage light. And also, you know, you know, supercomputers on your finger, like the aura ring mm-hmm. that, that you and I both have and, mm-hmm. and just staying curious about it and, and not pretending to have it all figured out. Cause none, none of us have it, you know, I don't have it all figured out. You don't either. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, somebody that has um, it all figured out. Yeah. I have, I think I know a couple people who are pretty <laughs> in the right direction and I like talking about them more than myself. Um, but yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah, um, you know, we, we mentioned before we turn turn the recording on, and I just looked it up, by the way, Matt, and the last time that we spoke, well, the last episode that we did was 188, I'm now on 428, and so that was December of 2018 was the last time we spoke. Wow, that That's a is long, time. long ago, yeah, so that was over a year before the pandemic, so that was like, wow. Yeah. Cool. Time flies. I'm trying to think, where was I? 
where was I? I was living in Mexico, I think. Yeah, I was living in Mexico probably in like Playa del Carmen. I think you were, and you did the uh, you did the interview from the porch, I think, on a laptop. That's hilarious. Yeah, that would yeah, be it's still yeah. on the laptop, but just uh, and almost on the porch. It's just in Germany. It's a little bit cloudy and a little bit cold for an outdoor interview today. So I'm yeah. inside. Likewise, over here. Yeah. There, there's so many questions I want to ask you, Matt, and and you know having. Um, you know, having been following your work and your travels and um, really, really resonating with the light diet and noticing that when I am, when I am better and more diligent about light management, I'm a happier person. I have more energy. I feel more rested. Um, you know, looking back to 2018, this is a tough first question, but what what has what have you learned in the last you know five years you know four and a half years that you didn't know back then how what what how have you changed your mind or evolved your thinking? This is a, I love this. This is the best place to start. This is where I want to start. Actually, um, I would say probably the main shift has been from this idea about outer light to this idea of inner light, as I like to call them. So back then I had, you know, I was at a place where I had spent the previous at that point five-ish years studying health, trying to reverse my own health issues, years of trying diets. And people can go back and reference that episode 188, I believe you said it was, yep. and um, you know, get a sense of where I was at if if that interests them. But I had basically just been seeking very much, and I still am. But where I was at then was I tried all these diets. I had had gut issues, allergies, headaches, and a variety of these types of things as a younger kid and accepted they were genetic. Um, then I started getting really bad breakouts of acne in, in my teenage years as going into high school, as many kids do through that time. And I felt pretty self-conscious. I started reading about the diets online, tried these diets I uh, had some pretty significant results. And the main thing that hit me then was, this is 2013-ish, 2014. Um, so I was, yeah, 13, 14 years old going into high school, first year of high school. And the thing that blew my mind really was this idea of epigenetics that I came across, as many people do when they get into paleo primal. Like may maybe some people don't because they're not as interested in the mechanisms or the why, they just follow the diet. But I was really curious to understand what was going on in my in my cells. And that all inspired me that I could not only improve my skin health, but I could improve my overall health, whether it was the specific diet I was reading about at that time or something else, just to have that paradigm shift of, you know, your genes are fixed and you can't change them and they dictate your health and your life versus you can change your genetic expression through certain environmental uh, conditions. And that was a big shift. Uh, I got into diet as the main way to affect that because I believed that that was the biggest factor because I believed, so I learned about that mechanism, let's say, or that system of epigenetics. And then I thought, okay, well, the person writing about this says that diet's the biggest lever, so it should be all about diet. And so I got pretty obsessed uh, at the time and I got stricter and stricter and stricter. And actually looking back on it, I do believe I made myself in a way like sicker, like mm -hmm. I went further from wholeness, 
rather than closer to wholeness by thinking like I'm sick and I need to do all these diets perfect in order to heal. So it was like, I was separate from whole healing by my mindset. Mm. And like the stricter I got, like the harder things got mentally for me. And I do think that looking back on it, I probably made certain aspects of my condition worse psychologically influencing the physical. So I don't, I don't think the two are really separate, the cycle psyche and the physiology of the body. Um, so anyhow, that all led up to learning about light, you know, re- following some really, uh, some people in the space who are really espousing the virtues and values of, of, of light uh, and applying this and becoming fascinated and starting a company, which I still run today. And we're still very much, um, ex- you know, I'm still very much excited about certain things we're focusing on, but uh, raw optics, the blue light protection eyewear, and and that's pretty much where I was at in 2018. It was like all about light and the circadian rhythms and the importance of getting more sunlight and blocking artificial light and all of this stuff. I still believe the science is very sound. the The issue was that all those years, and I had I had started the company and I had this freedom to travel and I had this um, sort of like my dream came true, like four hour work week. I mean, I worked a lot more than four hours a week, but the ability to do the things I wanted to do kind of materialized. And a couple of years went by from 2018, 2019, 2020, the pandemic happened going up to the pandemic leading up to it. I just remember, you know, looking back at it now, it's, it, it was very recently. I just felt like pr- uh, pretty bad, like mentally and even physically uh, in spite of all the good things I had been doing from a dietary perspective, nutritional perspective, and then adding on all the light. So it's not to say those things didn't help me, but I was sort of, let's say, like lying to myself that like that that solved all my problems. And in a way, you could say, like, just being really honest, like, you know, kind of, and I do believe that this is more common than just myself, but like becoming an expert in something or, or like, uh, let's say posing as an expert in something is kind of a way to like almost it could be used as a way to ignore certain like impersonal insecurities like Mm. almost like yeah instead of like going really deep and and, uh, acknowledging like maybe something's wrong about my theory it's like it's like you could go the other direction just get super gung-ho about what you believe in almost as a way to avoid the cognitive dissonance that's going on in the back. So anyway, I do believe there was a bit of that going on because as time went on, I, I noticed that mentally, like I didn't feel like I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And finally, I, I thankfully had been exposed to uh, spiritual practices. I read a book uh, by this guy, Ram Das, who talks all about the commonality of, you know, all the religions. He's more of a Buddhist American guy who you, you're familiar with Ram Das. Absolutely. Yeah, so he went over to, you know, India for people who don't know him. He had, he had been one of the earliest people to experiment with LSD. And uh, one of his friends was the guy who basically first studied it in, I don't know if it was at Stanford, I believe it was one of those major universities anyway. And then he asked, like, how could we maintain this state? Like, it must be possible if I can maintain this or experience this with the drug, it must be possible. So went over to India, got a lot of wisdom from a master, brought it back and taught about it for many years as Ram Dass. And so I'd had that exposure. I had had an interest in Christianity because my grandparents were pretty religious Catholics, although my parents weren't particularly religious. Uh, and then I had come across more Jordan Peterson over the, those years, you know, just as a sort of side, ta- like a tangent to what I was interested in. I, I loved what he was doing and still do. 
And he talked, he wasn't necessarily a Christian himself, but he talked a lot about the Bible and Jesus and the archetypes. And I thought, maybe there's something to that. You know, maybe I should really familiarize myself, especially because, you know, like if you read Shakespeare or you read any real classic English literature, at least, like the Bible is kind of the basis of so much of just literature. And I thought, well, wait, like 100 years ago, people all understood these references. Like, what are we doing today? Like, nobody even knows these references. Like, I want to just at least know what people were talking about. And um, so anyway, this interested me just from a, a, an intellectual level at the basics. But but there was something I thought could help me more. So anyway, moving on from there, then I had exposure to different Qigong practices and different other spiritual disciplines. And I met different people who recommended different spiritual things to me, like Joe Dispenza, like Yogananda, the autobiography of Yogi. So all of these had kind of percolated these years after I graduated school and was traveling the world, but I never really took action. Like I was preferring to stay in my comfortable, like run my business, tell myself that I'm busy and stressed, but mm -hmm. do my best to kind of like travel and kind of do my thing. Anyway, finally it got to a point, especially around COVID, where I really couldn't ignore like this kind of feeling of something. I don't feel wholeness, you know, like regardless of how great my life could look on the surface, business, travel. And so anyway, yeah, I got into this, the work of specifically Joe Dispenza. Uh, he, you know, we, we discussed before we pressed record a little bit and it, it just, things just started to make a lot more sense to me. And I'd be happy. I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but so the last couple of years to, to summarize all of that, since that time, I, I really do believe the biggest insight or discovery is that our life is much more of an experience that's happening within our minds and we're ultimately creating it and consciously or unconsciously. And that that has a lot more to do with, you know, the experiences we're having, the way we're feeling. And if you want to have life be a certain way, then that's more the direction to go to change it in my in my experience. Mm. And again, I'd love to get into more detail about why I feel that way. But that that is, I believe, the biggest shift in my thinking now. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think you're probably not alone. I think for for people who are still reeling a little bit. Well, I think I think that, you know, the COVID the COVID charade and 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 I, and I mean that I mean that because that there was there was there was a lot of narratives floating out there. It's not not all was what it seems, but I think during that yeah. period as people, you know, stayed home from work or stayed home from the park, I think a, I think it was an opportunity to uh, do some inner work to ask yourself hard questions. And, and it really was a golden opportunity. I think it still is because the world is still shifting back to how do we, you know, how do we re reintegrate? How do we care for each other? You know, what are our values? And I think that, that for people who spent the time to really take a look at their life, you know, that I think the great resignation, which is, you know, what, what we're talking about, um, you know, 2021, when a bunch of people just like resigned from their jobs and said, you know, this ain't it. I, I don't want to, I don't want to work like this anymore. I don't want my life to be like this anymore. I'm going to quit my job and figure out what comes next. You know, tech people, CEOs, client coaching clients of mine who work at, you know, big, important companies were like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and we still have 
each of us have this opportunity to, to, to ask ourselves what we want in our life. What do we want our lifestyle to be? What are our value systems? And, and so I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to hear that you, that you've been gone, you've been going through a similar, a similar journey because, you know, having, having known you and, um, and been following your work since, you know, for the last five years, you know, the outer light that comes from the sun as above, so below is a reflection or, or is at least connected to our inner light and how we stoke that for ourselves and how we express that inner light. And, um, so I would love to go a little bit deeper. Let's drill down a little bit more as to the, the, the work of, of Joe Dispenza and what, what you've been learning and, and how you connect the dots between, you know, your part of your purpose in this world is to, to educate people and to share and to give people solutions so can now maybe connect that with with the work and what you're learning about your own inner light. Yeah, absolutely. So I would start with some of the research that I came across when I was getting into this field of light and photobiology. So people you might you might hear one might say that the universe or God kind of lays things out for us the way they need to be to learn our lessons. And I can't deny that as a truth in my life, just looking at the way things have occurred the last couple of years. So, you know, I had this, the challenges I mentioned when I was younger, and I always had an interest and feeling that there was something more to life. Like I remember, I remember uh, reading, you know, like Harry Potter and watching the Star Wars and all these kind of heroic movies and feeling like and maybe others felt this way, although time sort of showed me that others, many of my peers didn't, but I always remember feeling like there's so that there's a lot of truth in those um, stories, you know, that they're not just like a fiction movie that's enjoyable. With, okay, that's fake. We live here on earth. And, you know, this is that that's just not real. That doesn't really, really apply to us as interesting as it may be. I felt like like I was, you know, the main character, like that, that somehow like we are, at least that I was, you know, meant to do something really important, right? And I think, I hope more and more people feel that way. But I, as I as, as high school ended, and my friends started going to college and getting internships, and kind of seemed to me like a lot of people were like, not in that mindset that there's something really profound about life, you know, I'm not sure if I can even put words to it at the moment. But I think they'll come as we go on. Like, you know, people just seem to settle. Like I could almost see, feel certain friends of mine just like settling. And I'm like, really? Like what? You know, and nothing like no judgment or anything negative about that, that approach, like going maybe down a more traditional path, but it definitely made me think like, hmm, okay. Uh, maybe everybody doesn't think and feel the same way that I've, I've been thinking and feeling it anyway. So time went on and then I obviously had these experiences that I mentioned before that led me to researching light and photobiology. And I, I was reading these textbooks about bioelectromagnetism. So how our body is electromagnetic. And in short, you know, they wanted to understand how animals can regenerate, like salamanders can regenerate an entire limb and humans can't and how that might be applicable to us if we could use electricity to stimulate that process. And so this guy, Robert O'Becker studied this, found that the whole system is electric our body. He wrote a book called the body electric and 
um, for a variety of political reasons, their funding was cut off at the time. And so there hasn't been a ton of really great research that I'm aware of since then, the 70s and 80s when he was doing this work. But anyhow, the system's been studied and it exists for sure. There's other researchers and other books that talk about photo uh, biophotons, so light that our cells emit for communication. There are tons of books about photobiology, just the general role that light plays in living organisms and humans as well. There's a textbook about, there's probably more than just one, but one that I'm familiar with about how light through our eye influences our entire metabolic system and all of our different organs you know, through the stimulation of the brain and the nervous system and, and then the rest of the organs and systems. So for sure, we are electromagnetic in nature in contrast to the mainstream medical belief that we are chemistry-based biochemical beings. Like mainstream biochemistry and the, and the, chem, the mechanist, it's called the mechanistic view of life, the chemistry-based view. There was the Becker writes about it in his book, The Body Electric. There were the mechanists who believed life was more chemical-based, and then the vitalists who believed that life is more energy-based than chemical-based on the other side. And they couldn't really prove that, though, because especially way back in the day, hundreds of years ago, there for the vitalists, there were no in instruments that were sensitive enough to measure these delicate life currents. So anyhow... Um, I was reading these books when I was 15, 16, 17, learning about light and fascinated, and it made sense to me. Here comes, as, as we just touched on, the sort of the experience of, okay, starting a business, traveling, having this freedom, feeling a bit of a, a lack of uh, something inside, and therefore wanting to go deeper and getting into spirituality. And thankfully, the reason I say that I think the path was laid out so nicely is because Unlike uh, one who might, let's say, get into spirituality uh, from a place of just pure faith or blind faith, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, actually, but or someone who's really skeptical and um, doesn't believe it because they haven't seen the science or whatever, for example, like I saw that, like I had to, I read it for a different reason. And so it made sense to me that there, there could be more to life than we believe. So then when I, you know, started, when I thought about Ram Dass and this energy field, like Becker even said it could be in his book, he wrote something like it could, this new understanding of life could lend a, an understanding for things like telepathy, phenomena that have been henceforth considered voodoo, woo woo, something like this, you know, out of the realm of science, if we could actually document and understand the system better. So that I think that single line in his book opened my mind in a way that when I read Ram Dass, I thought, yeah, maybe we are like these energy beings and maybe there is something about that. Like, And then I remember what really struck me was reading in one of these books about biophotons that when we die, our cells essentially are like leaking out this light, almost like the soul leaving the body. And I, mm. it just struck me as so profound, like, wow, like maybe what animates us, like what makes me different from if I were, you know, no longer alive and I, there was a corpse, like you wouldn't refer to a corpse as the person's name. Like you wouldn't say, oh, there's Matt, for example, like he's gone, like, like the person is no longer there. So then the person can't be the body. They must be the energy field that animates the body. And, and that also makes sense when you consider, you know, it's a very kind of mainstream scientific um, 
concept that's shared that our cells regenerate every seven years, or I should say our entire organism changes every single cell every seven years or so. Some people say it's actually more like more frequently, some say it's less, but if every seven years, like every single cell in my body is totally different, then people say, well, technically you're not even you anymore, but like, mm -hmm. where's the, the continuity exists that I remember? I have these memories that go back in this identity. So there, it must be the energy field. So, uh, and, and again, the evidence is there. So finally learning about this, um, spiritual science, let's say it wasn't that big of a leap you know, and I, I kind of knew like, so all the Tai Chi, Qigong stuff, like in the book about biophotons, the most photons are emitted from our hands and Tai Chi and Qigong, they're using their hands and cultivating this energy. And the people who could like, uh, I believe it was like Jackie Chan or certain, some martial artist, Bruce Lee, who could do like the one inch punch, you mm -hmm. know, constant, and, and literally punch someone across the room from an inch. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a stunt. It was actually real that they could do this, him and many other great martial artists and Qigong Tai Chi energy masters could concentrate their their vital energy and you know push people can even consider like when someone can sing and break a glass that's sort of one <laughs> more common expression of using the power of this energy uh, or like inspiring an entire crowd of millions of people like there's many uses of this energy the one inch punch or something like that are or like there's there's examples where like you could go on YouTube like great master qigong people they have like a, a row of like young strong guys all trying to push them down and they literally just go like and all the guys fall down like dominoes and yeah you could say okay that just that just doesn't it's impossible but if somebody understands like that we are an energy field and it's not necessarily one thing that um uh, joe dispenza a line he shared is that it's not about the strength of the field it's all about the coherence of the signal so like as one organism even if you had 10 people who are all really strong physically, if you can make your energy super coherent and direct it in one direction, you could it could be much more effective. This is why lasers are so powerful because they're coherent. So light, the waves go so much further in coherence together. So anyhow, it just made sense to me, all of this stuff. And, and year after year after year from like when I was 18 and started my business and started traveling 19, 20, and then the pandemic started when I was I guess 20 years old and my years match or my age matches the years since 99 more or less. So, um, but anyway, I finally felt like, okay, I got to look into something. Like I got to commit to something to apply this information to my life. And um, Joe Dispenza was the person who came to mind because I just knew that he was using science and he had a clear sort of methodology. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to put my energy into something I'm, and I'm in, intent that it bring me a result, why not dive into this? Um, but that's just one approach. You know, people can go different routes. Uh, the key, the key thing is is not to you know pitch one particular method. It's more like I want to invite people to think about the life and the body in more of the energetic sense than in the chemical sense. And yeah, as far as applying this information, which I believe is what you're asking, there's there's so many different pieces to that, but um, I think the, the main thing is the, this idea, the practice of meditation. So like basically removing the stimulation from the outer world is the idea, um, you know, so wearing a blindfold or closing your eyes and taking all this uh, information that's constantly coming in and in our, in our mind, we're basically creating reality in our head based on this 
you know, indiscriminate information, information that doesn't necessarily have a, a particular meaning. And we're creating this whole reality based on it. Like, okay, that, that you and I are now on a podcast and I'm Matt and you're Sean, and, you know, you're in the US and I'm in Europe. And like, there's this whole, not to say that that's not true, but that's just like what we're basically agreeing on mm-hmm. here. So anyway, um, if we can remove that, then the idea is that we can go inward and start to cultivate our energy. And what the ancient masters whose, whose work I've read basically say consistently across the board, them and more of the modern teachers like Joe Dispenza, is that when we close our eyes and, and meditate, we put our we basically take all of our attention out of this material world. So we take our attention out of our senses. Like so our attention is our energy, right? So they say like when you give someone your attention, you give them your energy. Um, so when we take our attention off of our senses, then according to the ancient perspective, what we're doing is withdrawing our life force energy out of our peripheries, out of our peripherals, our eyes, our hands, all of our senses, and withdrawing that life force energy into our spine, basically, which is the center of our nervous system and our energy system, like our chakra system is, or energy centers is the more scientific modern term, and that we can actually you know, for example, influence the health of our energy uh, centers, these chakras by putting attention on them. So many techniques and many spiritual traditions focus our energy inwards. And, you know, whether it's the Chinese, they have like the smiling, the inner smile to your heart, or the Indian Hindu system focuses more on the seven energy centers, um, as does Dr. Dispenza in, in some cases. So there's a lot of different techniques. And it's not so much about the specific technique, but the idea fascinated me. <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus. I cannot tell you how much this product has changed my life and so many of the lives of my clients and you listeners. It's also saved my butt during 75 hard. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. You can go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I tried this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. I've been, I've been really keen on this idea of our, of our bodies and our consciousness as antennas, right? We're, we're absorbing, we're absorbing light. We're absorbing, um, you know, volatile organic chemicals from the environment around us, you know, VOCs. We're we're absorbing ideas, whether that be from, you know, Rudolf Steiner or from Netflix. We're just like we're constantly absorbing the, these these inputs and then we're doing something with it and then emitting something back out. And and you know, the way that I think about 
biohacking, the way that I, that I characterize it. And it's changed over the years, you know, quite a lot since, since I've started this podcast and, 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 you know, started businesses in the wellness space is when you're controlling what goes in you, what you eat, what you put on your skin that gets absorbed, what goes on you, which is the clothes that you wear, you know, the items that are, that are on your, on your body, including these, you know, AirPods in my ears that are sending a signal, but it through my brain, they do have wave block stickers on them to reduce that. But, and then what, so what goes in you, what goes on you and what goes around you, EMFs, you know, when, when you can, uh, when you can control for those or manage those and, and decrease harm and optimize the upside, you know, through clean air, uh, through clean water, through exposure to sunlight, then you get to sort of alchemize the antenna that is you, and then you get to emit whatever you want. You can be conscious about what you emit, you know, and I, at, I emit, you know, uh, fatherhood and leadership. I, I emit, you know, um, um, you know, natural health ideas. I emit, you know, a hug and, and love when I'm, when I'm around my family and, 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 you know, guidance as a, as a coach. So this idea of, um, meditation as a way to sort of consolidate and to take a break from that external stimuli and to take a break from the internal, you know, sort of reptilian brain that's just trying to stay alive, you know, um, when I can harness that through meditation, when I can harness that through, through deep sleep, when I can harness that and consolidate that through, you know, flotation therapy, which is where I got my start in, um, in the wellness industry, then, then I get to take some sovereignty, some autonomy for how I show up, what goes in me, what I do with it, and then what goes out. And, and it, and it's an exciting it's an exciting prospect because that idea of choice, that idea of, okay, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to um, show up in, in my community is, uh, is an important aspect of who you are in this life. You are not your job. You know, you are, you are not your to-do list. You are something divine and incredible and getting in touch with that, I think, leads to, um, you know, a deeper sense of self, a deeper sense of reality, a connection to, you know, the the divine cosmos, um, in love and light and truth. And also, it's a lot of hard work. It's it takes it takes a ton of time. It takes a ton of thought. And because I have chosen not to be, you know, employed you know, not have a W-2 since 2011, I have lots of time to think about this stuff. I have lots of time to read. And, and I think, I think people are disconnected from that. I think, I mean, I know people are disconnected from, from this idea that they get to control for the things that are, that are inputs into them and find practices that can, um, that can do that inner alchemy and then make a choice to how they what they present out into the world. And for me, and I know for you, that how you interact with the natural world is fundamental to that because you there's nowhere else to be, 
<laughs> you know, we're not we're not on Mars. We are on Gaia. We're sitting here on this planet Earth, and how we interact with the natural world is is the predominant input for how we do that type of work. You know, m- maybe riff on that a little bit if you like that idea. I think it's a great idea, actually. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I believe it's the truth, actually, that we are antenna. I think that's a really good way to put it. We are alive because the energy from one of a few reasons and one of a few energy sources, but the light of the sun strikes the earth and basically brings us to life, essentially, at at a really basic level. Um, You know, if we didn't have the energy, if we didn't have energy flowing through our cells, we would just be matter, which isn't animate, it isn't really alive. So basically, by definition, we are like antennae. And yeah, we're receiving uh, energy, but also, as you said, di- all kinds of different inputs, um, different frequencies. And then, yeah, we're re-emitting different energy. And I, I think, well, from what I've uh, experienced, meditation is valuable because it gives an opportunity to not just be constantly stimulated uh, by, you know, the the things that are going on, the stimuli, the the inputs that are coming in, and then not to be constantly responding based on, because when, when we're responding, like, what are we responding based on? It's a really interesting question for me to consider, like, yeah, when I re- react or respond, like, what am I, you know, I'm responding based on probably partially, like you mentioned, the reptilian brain, there's certain survival instincts, which are largely unconscious and driving a huge amount of our behavior. But then there's maybe certain learned behaviors, learned information, learned beliefs, like there's so much going into that. But if we're not, um, let's say, aware or conscious, then it, we can say that a lot of what we're, the ways we're responding are unconscious. And that doesn't, that isn't necessarily, I'd say a bad thing. Like, if we were all hyper, hyper, hyper conscious and aware all the time, it might probably pretty, I would imagine it's pretty energy consuming. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing either. Like to be, I think that's what the master's are like the great uh, enlightened or really advanced spiritual people are the people who have kind of moved enough of their energy up their chakra system. This is kind of my current understanding, like through the practice of meditation and they kind they can kind of rest in this conscious or super conscious state um, where they are hyper aware. And then I do believe, and this is what a friend of mine, uh, one of my many spiritual influences is a friend um, I met actually surfing, but just by chance. And I saw this great energy he had and just wanted to say hello and started chatting. And he turned out to be someone who was uh, basically planning to be a monk and practicing that lifestyle for many years, uh, studying to be an Indian medicine doctor, and then also a monk in a certain yogic tradition in India. But uh, his masters, like the his guru and the kind of cosmic um, information that they follow, basically decided that he should be a householder, meaning like have a family and sort of mm. show the world that you can live like a monk among men and in this more modern world. And it's amazing because he just like kind of, you could say, like draws everything to him, like, you know, everything he needs, like a, a night, he wants certain things because he likes like a nice car or this or that. He's not attached to it, but he likes those things. And like, you know, he's so good to everyone around him all the time as patients, because he's a doctor for his his uh, career and uh, friends, family, you know, people just 
you know, hook him up with a car at you know, a huge reduced rate just because he, he did them a favor, helped them with some health issue or whatever. Like, but that's just one small example, stuff like that. And I just see his life. and I'm like, wow, this he's living what I would consider a really exceptional life. And one of the things he told me and not from an ego or that kind of perspective, because he's just in a different, a totally different frequency from the ego. But he said to me, you know, the people who really move their energy up that and and live from the pineal gland, the third eye center, for example, or higher centers, these are the people who have really exceptional lives. And so to kind of break that down a little bit more to share this information um, that that he shared with me from a, a really deep spiritual perspective, it's like each of our energy centers, you could look into the public sphere, and you could see people who are operating on each center, like without I won't name names, because I'm, I'm not here to try to judge people or put people in a certain place. Um, you know, I, I don't even know necessarily where I fall. I have certain ideas of where my blockages are and where I'm stuck. But anyhow, um, you know, people at like, for example, who are obsessed with money. Um, and this is the first energy center is at the root of our spine, all the way to the perineum. And this is associated according to this particular uh, tradition that I've been learning about called Kriya Yoga. It's one of many traditions. Of, it's one that Paramahansa Yogananda, the author of the Autobiography of Yogi, followed. So, according to this particular tradition and, and sect and specific people, it's not like they all believe the same thing. But um, the first energy centers connected more with money, material possessions, and these types of things. And you know, people could always imagine a person who is stuck on material possessions and trying to get fulfillment from that. But we, I think most people at least understand intellectually, if not in practice, that material things won't bring happiness. And I under maybe like thought I believed this, but didn't actually believe it. And so I actually, my life thankfully gave me the opportunity to make some money at a younger age when it was more than enough that I could have needed or asked for and to understand that the ability to travel and and have certain material objects wasn't going to give me what I was looking for at least maybe for someone else it's their be all end all but for me it wasn't I I think for most people it's not because how could how could something that's just a physical material thing truly make you whole if you don't feel inside it really doesn't have the capacity to do that anyway so that's like level one chakra one chakra two would be our sexual reproduction uh, centers and there's slight different interpretations about which chakra is responsible for what and where they're exactly positioned, but I'll share with you this one. So the second one's a little higher than the perineum. It's around our sexual organs. And this is responsible for sex and reproduction and, and survival and stability and safety and these types of things. Um, and this is, you know, people can get stuck in the world of sex and getting pleasure from sex. And it's a little higher than just material like money and this and that, but you know, it's, it is where it is. And then the third chakra is related more to our uh, digestive system. It's like in Chinese and Tai Chi, it's like our power center. So it's like where the, I don't know the exact term, but it is like the belly, like around the navel, the belly button. It's like where we store our power and where they say in this, these traditions that their power comes from. So there's a lot of parallels between the Indian and the Chinese systems, uh, the ancient systems. So anyway, this would be, you know, more related to like, um, people who are really uh, athletic. So people who are really successful um, sports, you know, performance people or athletes or and people really look up to this because for many people like that's like the highest thing you could be as a professional athlete. And I've also thought that at certain points. And I think it's really 
and admirable what certain people do in those spaces. And they can, some people use it as an opportunity to inspire others to lift themselves out of poverty or whatever. But anyway, that's another level, right? Then another level, like where the, those are the animal centers. So like all pretty much all animals have the, the first three centers developed, like certain basically, um, you know, reproduction, food consumption and power, these kinds of main functions. Then the next center is sort of where the human begins, according to the, uh, let's say, yogic science, the heart center isn't well developed in pretty much any other animals. You might be able to make a case that in certain animals like dolphins and others that are maybe closer to humans, their heart center is more developed than other animals, for example. Um, anyway, so that's a place where, you know, people... You could think of somebody who's a, a famous inventor or a creator of a great company, like they operate maybe from this passion, this great passion, right? Um, then the next level would be the the throat center. This would be like intellectuals, uh, people who are no longer alive, like Plato, Socrates, you know? Uh, and then, then the next level after that is, before I move on, like intellectuals, people who are really trying to think, think. This would be more like the fifth chakra level, let's say according to this, this perspective, um, the, the sixth chakra is our pineal gland. So our intuitive center where we're connected to sort of more divine uh, information. And, and this is, you know, they call it the third eye. This is what um, uh, this friend of mine who I mentioned, and he's happens, I didn't really share this, but he happens to be one of the top Ayurvedic doctors in the world, I guess, to give a little credibility. He's not public on social media or anything, but he works with, he's Russian and he works with top, uh, you know, political figures and, successful business people, uh, some of the biggest in, in Russia. And, um, you know, obviously there's a whole war going on. And so people have their politics, but that aside, he is not into the political stuff, just happens to have been born there and works with some of you know, the most famous artists and music musicians and cultural figures and many in the Western world as well, actually, but just kind of all through word of mouth. And that's another thing when you're so exceptional and you can you'd be really successful just based on word of mouth. It's pretty cool. So anyhow, um, he explained to me that people who can really bring their awareness out of the survival, even beyond just the heart passion and beyond an intellectual analysis of life to operate from a higher center, which is apparently the way that this can be done is through only through a meditative practice of some kind to cultivate our energy up. Um, the, this is when people can start to live a really exceptional life. And the last thing I'd love to share about this is the way I've thought about it more and more is it's, it's kind of like building a house or anything that takes dedication and time and effort, like building a business. Like I could destroy my entire company that I've spent six years building almost. Is where I lost you. Yeah, I could destroy my whole business with one one action or one major mistake. I mean, it would at this point, one mistake wouldn't destroy my business. But if, if, I, if I did something publicly really bad, all the hard work could theoretically be destroyed. The point of that, or you could say, for example, like you could clean a room and it takes a while to clean a room, but you could mess up the room with one, you know, bottle of paint that you throw everywhere. Like, so the point is, I, I think that's a great example of how meditation works and how getting to a higher, higher path works in life and why I agree so much when you say it's hard. It's not like the easiest path. Like that's why not everyone is enlightened. Because it's not supposed to be the easiest path, um, but it may be the most meaningful. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm thinking. So the reason I say this is meditation, it's like the I understand the act of meditation over time. And this is how it's been explained to me, both by uh, my friend, his name is Balarama. It's a Hindu name he took as he 
went into this uh, space and, and became a doctor in that in that world. But anyhow, um, as it was explained to me, that is what we're doing when we're meditating. And actually, Dr. Dispenza on the Western side essentially uh, corroborates this understanding that we have to actually take our attention and energy off of what's outside of us and basically cultivate it within us. And we can build that energy up. And, you know, we can make so many mistakes um, and that can really harm our body and do things like you could go out and drink a bunch of alcohol, like make, you know, and I sometimes make these mistakes, you know, uh, maybe more often than, than I should, but not, not specifically alcohol. Actually, I've since getting more spiritual, I've pretty much cut out consumption of alcohol for my life almost entirely. Um, But then like, there's many things people can do to hurt themselves, right? But to really cultivate that energy, it, it takes time. So it's, again, the difference between like building a house of, I shouldn't say house of cards, because that implies the system's de- super gel- uh, gentle and delicate, which it's not. But the point is, again, it takes dedicated, consistent effort, I believe, to build up this energy. And it's not the easiest thing. It's like making your room really nice. It's like building a business. It's like, I would imagine raising a family. I haven't done that. Right. But you, you know, you put all this energy and time in and one, um, you know, one single mistake can take a human life away, but like think about all the energy that goes into building it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, you're right. I think you're right. And, and the concept, you know, in addition to the, to the antenna idea, uh, a concept that keeps coming up with these episodes, um, um, you know, it's really kind of kicked off with, with Paul check. Cause I, I wanted to ask Paul the, the connection between, you know, optimal performance, you know, biohacking energy recovery, gut health, you know, the, the things that make the biological system strong and resilient um what is the connection between you know optimal physical performance mental emotional performance and a spiritual evolution and a spiritual upgrade an up leveling of our spiritual awareness and the idea i asked this again of uh of david wolf recently is you know what is what is the connection like and, and I'm I'm increasingly convinced that all of this biohacking stuff, which includes blue light blocking glasses, which includes a healthy circadian rhythm, you know, which includes the aura ring and the Apollo device and grounding practices and gut, all this stuff. What this leads to is a deeper spiritual awareness for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can't exist outside of it. You know, everything is spiritual. And, and <laughs> it, it literally everything, everything all the time is all spiritual. You can't exist outside of that realm because we are included in it. And, and so these, these, these daily practices of raising a family or, you know, running a business or, you know, having, you know, a healthy light diet eating quality foods is that it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. It is part of this process of our own uh, evolution and consciousness. And I believe that we get many opportunities in, in to exist and then come back. We are infinite beings. So we, we get a chance to have this, this body, this, this mug right here, this, this, these shoulders, these hands, 
you know, this sort of genetic representation of, of my ancestors is me. It's just Sean. This is what I get this time. You know, I'll have some other sort of representation, some av- some new avatar next time. But all of these biohacking and lifestyle practices are leading to a, an increase in our spiritual capacity. And I think the cool part is, what do you want to do with that? You know, do you want to, you want to keep that for yourself? Cool. You want to share that with the world? Cool. You want to, you know, move mountains or, or you know, do a one-inch punch uh, or, you know, um, you know, inspire millions, that's, that's your prerogative. You have this free will to do that. But all of these practices are for that purpose, or, or at least in enhance and in, in, in encourage that, that expression of this life that we have. So the, the, the connection between our habits will either lead to an increase in our spiritual awareness or a dulling of our spiritual awareness. And again, it's not, it's not a judgment. You you get to do whatever you want. If you want to become 600 pounds and not be able to, you know, leave your house, that that's the choice. That's the choice that you made. And if you want to become a black belt in jujitsu, which is now apparently really important to me just recently, like, I'm on, I'm on this, this jujitsu path. Um, I want to do that so that I can learn these lessons and learn this discipline and increase my spiritual awareness and share that with my children and share that with my podcast audience and have guests like you to share the wisdom that you have. So, um, I don't know if you have a response to that. And then I, and I actually do have questions that I prepared, Matt. <laughs> we can, oh, we can... let's, yeah, it's good. I, this is amazing. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just so spot on. I mean, I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. It just makes sense. The one thing that I would add is that, um, you know, you're, you're mentioning that these practices can help to enhance sort of our spiritual awareness, our spiritual strength. And I've come to believe as well that the practice of meditation or of similar specifically spiritual disciplines, um, then affect our habits. So like one thing I've tried for such a long time is to adjust, for example, like my eating to be a certain way where it's funny and interesting for me to look back and see how like when I was coming from a place of survival and fear, um, and you know, that was the primary energy that was driving me. And I didn't know this at the time, it was totally unconscious, but I was eating like pretty perfectly, like almost overly strict um, because I was kind of trying to survive. And it was about survival deep down. It wasn't acknowledged consciously, but it was like, I got to eat this way because if I don't, then I'm going to have these health issues and I'm going to have whatever. And so it was like a survival thing that I had to do it. And I was always trying to understand how my peers like could just eat all this other stuff that I literally thought was like poison, not to say that it's not poison, but I'm not as inclined to think that like certain foods are as bad as I thought they were before. Right. Okay. Things like vegetable oils, refined, really refined food. Like, yeah, it's, it's not optimal and you could pretty much liken a lot of it to poison. But I think I looked at it like eat it and you're going to die versus like, there's a certain resilience that the body has, um, which is one of the points 
that's that arises a lot in these conversations is that we have this resilience that we we're not necessarily taught about and so i've gotten more interested in in how to enhance this resilience and to my last point to close that out instead of once i've once i went from um being primarily in the survival mode to tr- getting more into spiritual um let's say thinking i lost a lot of that survival based approach and then i found it actually over you know even more more recent years actually a little bit let's say harder to be as strict about my eating because i kind of d- didn't feel this like oh, i'm going to die if i eat that like no i'm going to be I'm going to be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. So and I'm happy I have that mindset because it's it's been much more conducive to being a happier person and allowing myself a lot more freedom. There's still a lot of, a lot, a lot of growth I feel I have in this path. I'm certain of it. And a lot of blind spots I still, you know, go around with. But that's been a, a very strong practice. And I, I could only encourage that practice. But anyhow, um, there's two things here. One is that like it, I'm realizing it takes like a a really strong will, which is, I think, a, a sort of synonym for cultivation of spiritual energy, like will, a really strong will to want to do the right thing for your health and your diet, not from a place of I'm dying or I'm going to die, which I think is where much of the health world is, mm-hmm. but from like, I truly like whether it's self-love or love for God or like, you know, I, I even read something recently because people talk a lot about self-love and I imagine that this is something very important. It's not something that a lot of um, masters that I've followed specifically talk on. It's more of like a what I hear in like a more new age context. Um, I read somewhere that, and this it's kind of struck me, like it's not just about loving yourself because the more it's like about our self, 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 that's a pretty like new age spirituality thing and nothing again i'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with that if that's someone's approach but like the love for god or the universe is potentially an even more how can i say deep or meaningful thing because then it's not just about like me because i I don't resonate as much and maybe it's because i don't have enough self-love i don't resonate as much with that idea but when it comes more to like like love for god love for your the gift we've been given and then that applies to the family, the community, like what we can offer to the world. Like it, it personally resonates a lot with me when I've read both from spiritual masters and just really wise people in general say like, when you're not doing the right things for yourself, you're not just hurting yourself. You're actually hurting your community. You're hurting the people you could be serving and contributing. That to me resonates deeply. So that's one point. So it's like coming out of survival. I've noticed myself swing totally the other way from like really strict about my food almost like an eating like orthorexic approach to like pretty liberal and open um but then it's like now this isn't the ideal side either like let me find the 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 happy medium but then secondly and, and in relation to that i think there's this cultivation that happens when we practice the meditation and so on where like i i told a buddy of mine when he asked me recently what are your diet goals and i basically told him after i, I thought about it for a couple days or, or day or two at least i realized like i just want to be and I'm not not saying I'm here yet. Again, I'm I'm working on this every day. But like, I'd like to be at such a high frequency in my energy field, Sean, where like I wouldn't want to do things that aren't good for me because they're not aligned with the frequency, the vibration that I'm on energetically. Like where my field is, like I'm feeling whole and great innately. You know, at a certain level where it doesn't feel like a sacrifice to say no to 
this or that, or to say to, you know, you can make a bunch of comparisons. It isn't just about food. It could be about like a certain relationship. Dispenza talks about this. Others speak about this. Many, many others have spoken about this. Like you get to a certain frequency where you just feel whole in a certain area that maybe it didn't before. And then maybe there's a certain relationship that was a certain crutch mm-hmm. of some kind uh, in the language of Dr. Dispenza, like that people use to reaffirm an addiction to a certain emotion, let's say that they didn't overcome yet. And then that like somehow they're able, and I'm experiencing this just recently with a pretty important relationship in my life where like, I was afraid to be honest to this person. And it wasn't about them. It was just something about me where I was stuck and like getting over that, like, stuckness in my own field i've been able to be more honest with without fear that like if that person decides to go a different direction like it's not gonna it's not gonna tear me apart and ruin my life because i've Mm. kind of working on getting over whatever that attachment was right so Mm. anyway it's a bit of a complex a layered response but um i do believe all that stuff we're doing is enhancing our spirituality but i'm also really interested in how we can cultivate this energy independent of all that stuff. And then it leads to better choices in our health, more resilience when we do eat the wrong food or make the wrong decision one day, whatever. That's, yeah. That's- well, I think, you know, just to kind of put a, put a bow on that, you know, when, when you cultivate practices that really work for you, where you start feeling really good, it's like, I'll just keep doing that. Uh, and, and then you build more resilience, right? Like, you know, right, right now I'm, I'm in, I'm on day 52 of this program called 75 hard, which is two workouts a day, a gallon of water, 10 pages of personal development, uh, you know, a strict diet, which in my case, uh, is, is no sugar, no flour and no alcohol. And I'm learning a whole bunch about myself through this process and I'm building better resilience in the relationship that like, I don't like to your point, I don't crave alcohol or cannabis the way that I did, you know, a couple of months ago. It's just like, I like where I'm at now. I like the way my skin looks. I like my physique. I like my temperament and I like what this, you know, how my sleep is, is trending since I've been working really hard and, and, and really prioritizing it. And so now, um, I'm building up a level of resilience that I want to keep because I like the way it feels and I like what it, what it provides me. Um, so your relationship changes, your relationship to food changes, your relationship to screens change, um, you know, sugar, all this stuff changes. And, and again, it takes, it takes work. You have to commit yourself to it. Well, you don't have to commit yourself to it, but you will be rewarded if you commit yourself to changing some of your habits and, um, you know, it's funny, I credit you, you know, uh, for the first 60 or so episodes that I did of the podcast, I, I, I well, actually I'll tell, I'll, we'll bring it up later. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. 